You know, uh, we're celebrating Father's Day today, and uh, a little boy, when asked to explain about Father's Day, you know, said that it's just like Mother's Day, only you don't spend as much on the present, you know? And uh, I don't know, what do you think? You know, is that accurate? You know, I mean, I was just kind of taking a little poll this morning. And, you know, if you're a dad, you can start eating, all right? Bob, just start eating, all right? Just, just you know, this is your chance, all right? This is your chance, so start eating. But... Um, you know, for me, Father's Day has always been really, really great. I mean, Father's Day has always been a blessing. Um, a couple of years ago, my kids got together, and they made this, like, this little book folder thing, and they put, like, pictures, and they put, like, memories and letters, and that was, like, the greatest gift ever. I mean, it really was one of the greatest gifts ever. I mean, I look at it um, all the time, you know, I, I kind of look at it, and... And whenever I read it and I look at it, which is really quite often, um, I, I kind of think it, it must be a glimpse of, hey, John, you can check the feedback. Um, I kind of feel like it's like a small glimpse of how God feels about us as his children, you know, when we step out in faith, when we choose to obey, you know, even though no one else is, uh, when we stand up for him when we share him with other people, uh, when we take time to stop and be with him in prayer, uh, when we take time like we do this morning to just stop and just to worship him, you know, and just to thank him for who he is, you know. I think when we are doing these things and when we think of our dads and we think of our father in heaven, not like a pretend dad or a partial dad, I, I kind of think it it makes him really happy. And I, and I feel like this morning, I think what God wants for all of us to experience is that he's not a pretend dad. He's not a partial dad. He's our really dad. And that you're his really child. And I feel like God wants to just implant that in our hearts. You know, 1 John 3, 1 says, See how very, see how very much our Father loves us. For he calls us his children... And that is what we are, you know. That's who we are. Is, is God Almighty calls us his children, and that's who we are. And uh, I'm so excited because I believe that, that God, the God most high, the God who created everything we know, the most powerful, almighty, the one true God in heaven looks at us and says, you're my child. And we look at ourselves and we can say, God is our father. I'm his child. That's who I am. And, you know, let the truth of Ephesians chapter 1 kind of sink into your hearts. That even before he made the world, I mean, think about this. Even before he made the world, God loved us and he chose us. That even before he created the world, God loved you and chose you in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to, what? to adopt you into his own family, you know, by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That is what he wanted to do. He wasn't forced to do it. He wasn't obligated to do it. That's what he wanted to do. And, it, and the Bible says, and it gave God great pleasure. I mean, think about that. 
that even before, the, even before you were born, even before the world was created, God already set a plan in motion that he says, you know, I'm going to be creating this person and that person and this person and you and you and you and you. And even before the world began, I said, I got a plan. And my plan is my son's coming. And he's going to make it possible for you, 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 you to be adopted. That was his great plan. And how amazing is that? And the thing that we need to think about is do we experience our relationship with our Father in heaven to the fullest? I mean, do you experience your relationship with God the Father in its fullest? Is, is God just like, well, yeah, he's God, you know? Or maybe he's like, he's a force all around us. And you never really saw him as a person, much less your father in heaven. And for whatever reason, there's so many misconceptions about God, right? I mean, there's so many wrong ideas about God. For instance, you know, one of the most common ones is, is that God is unreasonable, you know? That, that, that our father in heaven is really, no, he's just unreasonable, that um, some people think that all God wants to do is fill their lives with rules and restrictions and, and make their lives miserable. That God is somehow this cosmic kind of killjoy who doesn't want us to enjoy anything. He doesn't want us to enjoy life. He wants to enslave us with all these rules. And because of that, they don't want to get to know God. I mean, who would want to know a God like that? Another misconception is that God is unreliable. God is, God is unreliable. They, they, they think that, you know, God's really not going to help. Yeah, maybe there is a God, but he's not really going to help. That, that things have gone bad in their lives and, and they kind of blame God. Right? They go, you know, it's God's fault. Why did God allow? The, why? You know? and, and they don't want to get close to God because they've never dealt with the resentment that they feel in their heart toward God. Blaming God for the bad things that happen. And they go like, God's unreliable. You know, he's, he's not really going to help. Or some people think that God is unconcerned, right? That he's like a partial dad. You know, that he's not really there. That they'll say, yeah, yeah, there's God. There is a God. I know there's a God. But, but really, he's too busy to care about an individual person like me. Or we think... You know, like, God kind of cares about people who are good. And I'm really not that good. That I've kind of messed up, I did some things. It's like, hmm, God's not going to care about me, you know, that, that he's too busy. Why would God even be interested in a person like me? Why would God be concerned about my job or my kids or my family or my career or my schooling, or education, my relationships. You know, God's either too busy for all that stuff, or he really doesn't care about me. And if you think he's there, but he's too far away to be concerned, then, then you're not really going to get to know him as, as your father. And there's so many misconceptions like this. And people think, yeah, there's a God, but they never think of God as their really dad. You know? And on this Father's Day, I just pray, and I've been praying all week, 
that, that we would all experience, that we would allow the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts and to speak to our hearts, to speak truth into our hearts and would set us free to really realize, like those two kids, that, you know, God is there. And God loves you. And God's your father. And even more than your father, God's your really, your truly, your really dad. He's your dad in heaven. And, and that we would experience 1 John 3, 1. That see how much the Father loves you. For he calls you his children. And that's who we are. That's what I believe God wants us to experience today. And so the first thing is this. God is a caring dad. God really is a caring dad. He's a caring father. He is not Really, he is not unreasonable. God is not an unreasonable God. He doesn't want to make your life hard. God is compassionate, that God is loving, he's gracious, and he cares about you. And in fact, that he loves you more than you will ever know. You know? And, and the truth is, we, we can't really understand how much God loves us because our brains aren't big enough to really grasp the depth and really the the, the, the vastness of his love for us. I mean, God loves us that much. And, you know, we think, well, but does God really care? I mean, yeah, okay, God, God's a loving God. Yeah, I'll give you that. But, but does he really care about my problems, my hurt, my challenges, all the things that are going on in my life? You know, does God really care what happens to me? After all, there's like billions of people here on earth, you know, um, and and, you know, there, there's got to be so many other more worthy people for God to love and to care for than for him to love someone like me. Well, the truth is, God does love you. In Acts chapter 10, verse 34, Peter replies, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. See, God doesn't show favoritism. He doesn't say, well, I like this one. I don't like, you know, all this stuff. You know, you know. And, and Psalm 103 verse 13 says, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender, compassionate to those who fear him. And God is not a mean or an uncaring God. He's not a cosmic kind of killjoy. Just... Waiting, you know, like some people think, like, God's right there with his lightning bolts. When we mess up, boom, you know. God's not like that. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6 says, so here's the deal. So humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he's going to lift you up in honor. Give all your care, all your worries and your cares to God, for he cares about you. And the question is, can you give God some of your cares or some of your worries no, no, the Bible says you give them everything you have. You know, some people tell me, well, I can't pray for that. That's just so, like, minor. No, there's nothing so minor to God, you know, that, that God cares for you. God cares for your house payments. Does God care that the fact that your kids need braces? Yes, God cares about that. Does God care about the grade that you might get in school? Yes. Does God care about your dreams and your hopes and your ambitions? Yes. Because if you're worried about it and concerned about it, so is your Father in heaven. That's the kind of God he is. You know, I remember, and I tell this story a lot because it just keeps coming back. Whenever I think, like, man, God, I just, 
are you there, God? You know, sometimes I get to that point, God, are you there? And I remember, you know, coming back from Spokane to, to Honolulu, you go to Spokane to Seattle, and then you, you come to Honolulu, you know? And if you're in Spokane, what do you do when you're in Spokane? Well, you go to Dick's Drive-In, right? You go to Dick's Drive-In, you get like a bag of burgers and fries. Like, that's the greatest place, you know? You don't got to go in and out on this. Go Dick's Drive-In. They got them in Seattle, too. But anyway, so we were going, and um, I don't really care to fly, you know? I mean, that's just one of those things. I don't like to fly because it's kind of claustrophobic. But I used to, not anymore, I used to be afraid of crashing. You know, it's just like, that's one of those things, right? You always, you know, I was, you know, people say they have fear of flying. I was never afraid of flying. It was just the crashing part that kind of bothered me, right? And so we get on the plane in Spokane. And it's like a little plane, you know? It's like, I'm used to like bigger planes. At least when you go to neighbor island, it's like got these jet things, right? Well, from Spokane to Seattle, there's like a plane and you got to bend your head down and you got to walk in like that because it ain't big enough. And there's like one seat on this side and two seats on that side. That's all there is, you know. And it's like this little plane. And we go in there and, and we're, 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 we're taking off and it's like turboprops, right? So there's like propellers. Like, what are those things? I thought they were gone in like the 60s. And we're going. And then the, the pilot comes on and, and you know, he, he doesn't even have like a, you know, this is the pilot speaking. You know, he opens the door because it's right there. And he says, hey, by the way, you know, just, you know, just, I'm sorry, but you know, just, there's a lot of turbulence from here to Seattle, so we're not going to serve anything or anything like that. Just buckle up, or we'll get you there. And I think this is just so great, right? Because I'm thinking fear of crashing, and it's like little plane, and little planes crash into the mountains, and people got to eat each other, you know, all this kind of stuff, right? <laughs> so I'm like, oh, you know, and so I'm nervous, and then so I decide, I'm going to pray. And so I pray, and I say, God, we just, we just Will you just be with us on this flight? Because, you know, my wife, the kids are going to miss my wife if we die. You know, just praying, you know, just because, you know, she's a better person than me, of course. And don't smile, Neil. And, you know, she's a better person. You want to save her? Save me. And so we're just about taking off. And all of a sudden, I get this vision. I, I, I see in my mind's eye as I'm praying, right? White knuckle prayers. I see, like, all these angels. And they're just all along the wings of that airplane. And then in my mind's eye, I hear an angel say, Hey, come on, guys, let's gather up. Let's get them there because you know how much God loves Mark. And I was like, It's like the greatest thing. You know, I was like, Really? And we take off. And it was, I'm not even exaggerating, it was like the smoothest flight ever. And, and the, 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 the flight attendant, she comes on and says, you know what? Surprise, surprise, you know, you get your juice and your peanuts, right? And it was like a smooth flight. And all during that flight, I could hear God say, see, Mark, that's how much I love you. That, that, that not only am I going to get you from Spokane to Seattle, but, but it's going to be the smoothest flight you've ever experienced. <clears throat> and then we land in Seattle right? And because it's a little plane, it doesn't have that big tunnel thing where you walk out. You got to go down the stairs, right? So we go into Seattle, and it's like the wind is howling in that place. It's like crazy. And I found out later, roofs were blowing off near the airport at Seattle. It's crazy things like that. And we're going, it's like a storm. But throughout that flight, God was there. And, 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 and God is not unreasonable, 
but he's a God who cares. He's compassionate and he's kind and he's gracious. And, and, and take God at his word. Take God at his word and humble yourself under his mighty power. And you can give all your cares and your worries uh, to God because he cares about you. The second thing is God is a trustworthy father. God is a trustworthy. He is not unreliable. God is not an unreliable God. He's a father you can count on every single time. He will not let you down. He's always dependable, entirely consistent in who he is. Deuteronomy 32.4 says, He is the rock. His deeds are what? Perfect. Everything he does, everything he does is just and fair. He is, he is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright he is. See, that's who God is. He is as solid as a rock. Everything he does is perfect, just, and fair. He's a faithful God whom you can trust. See, that's who God is. He's your rock. And in 2 Timothy 2.13, it says, Even if we are faithless, God remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And there are times when I, am, I have this much faith, zero faith, and it doesn't matter because God is faithful, that he is always faithful. Have you ever been so discouraged that you kind of seem to lose faith? That, man, God really doesn't care. Or God seems so, so, so far away, you know, that there's no way that God is there with you. Well, let the truth of the Bible speak to you. That even when you're faithless, God remains faithful. That he is there. That he's drawing you back to him. He's your rock. He is solid. He's a loving father who is faithful, who is trustworthy. He's a, he's a faithful father who is always going to be there, that you can count on him. You know, he doesn't do anything wrong. He's our father in heaven. That's who God is, that God is a trustworthy dad. If you like baseball, R.A. Dickey was the 2012 National League Cy Young Award winner, and that means that that's like the highest honor for a pitcher, and that's who he was. But Dickey's career almost ended before he got started because in 1996, the Texas Rangers drafted and made him their number one draft choice, you know? And uh, they gave him like a, a signing bonus of like $810,000. And everything was great. It was exciting. All he had to do was pass a routine physical. You know, that's what you do. And he's used to those things. So he goes to this routine team physical but unbeknownst to, to Dickey, this, this physical reveals that in his right, em, uh, right elbow, I was going to say envelope, right elbow, uh, he was missing a ligament, just a birth defect. He was missing a ligament. You know, it never bothered him and all this, but just so happened it showed that he was missing uh, a ligament. And as Dickey, uh, a committed follower of Christ, you know, he entered training camp, uh, he uttered this this. This prayer he writes, you know, he, he writes in a book that he wrote. He says, thank you, Lord, for all your blessings and for helping me get this far. And he was just so blessed. He said, thank you, God. But shortly, right after he prayed, in fact, the Rangers informed him the manager, Doug Melvin, called him in and says, hey, you know, I'm really sorry. Your physical um, revealed something. We're going to have to um, retract the offer because of your right elbow. All right. Right after he prays, boom, he gets the bad news. 
Then he writes in that book, this book that he writes. He says, I try to take in these word, those words for a second or two. I don't feel devastation or even anger. I feel rage, complete rage. Um, it feels as if it starts at my toes and blasts upwards through my body like a tsunami into my guts and right up through the top of my head. I wanted to make sure the manager knows that he's matter-of-factly dropped this atomic bomb on my baseball career and uh, on my life. But, he writes, it's as if there's a strong hand on my shoulder, holding me back, giving me pause. In that instant, I have a self-control that wasn't there a moment earlier. And then I hear a voice. And the voice says, relax, I've got you. Relax, R.A., it's okay, I've got you. And he writes, the voice is the Holy Spirit. The voice is the Holy Spirit. I was just talking to God in prayer, and now he's talking back, giving me the composure that could not have come from anywhere else. The tsunami passed. I'm crushed by Doug Melvin's words, but I'm not going to do anything stupid. God assures me, I got you. No matter what I'm going through, God is there. You see? God is there, even in the hard times and the tough times, and we just did a whole series on that. But God is there. He's a trustworthy God. He's not unreliable. He's your dad in heaven who you can count on for everything. And then the third thing is that, you know, God is a caring dad. God is a trustworthy dad. But God is also a father who is close. That he's a God and a father who is close. That he is not unconcerned. He is not distant. He's a father who is right there. He's available at all times. He's there when you need him. God wants you to find him. God wants you to know him. God wants you to have a relationship with him. You know, he's just not far off. He's a father who's close. He is really right there. Sometimes we think God's so far in heaven that we've got to yell or something. Now, I don't know if he's going to hear us because he's so far away. But the truth is, he's close. And there are some truths about the closeness of God that let these truths just sink into your heart. The first is that God is never too busy for you. That God is never too busy for you. He is right there. In Psalm 145, 18, it says, The Lord is near to all who call on Him. To all who call on Him in truth. That the Lord is there. He's near. That He is close. That, you know... Your father might have been too busy for you, busy at work. You know, you may be too busy for your kids. But, but God is never too busy for you. And when you pray, God doesn't say, well, no, no, don't bother me right now. I'll see you later. No, God's never too busy for you. He never turns away. That, that he's with you every day. That God is never too busy. The second thing is God is right there to meet your needs. That, that God is right there to meet you, your needs. And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 9, Jesus, writes, Jesus says this, You parents, if your children ask you for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you know, good gifts to those who ask Him? You see, that's who God is. 
that He is right there to meet your needs. In Philippians 4, it says, And my God, we can have the confidence that Paul did, and my God will supply every need that we have according to His riches and in glory in Christ Jesus. That's who God is. That He's there to meet your needs. That, that He will be right there. And then the third thing is God is near when you're hurt. You see, sometimes when we're hurt and we're brokenhearted and we're messed up, or maybe we did something and we screwed up, we feel like, man, we just, God's just far away. He's not. He's right there. In Psalm 34, it says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. I mean, how amazing is that? That the Lord is near to the broken heart. It doesn't matter why your heart is broken. It doesn't matter. If you did something, it just doesn't matter. That He's there, near to the brokenhearted, and He saves the crushed in spirit. And how amazing is that? That when you go to God with your pain, God doesn't say, oh, come on, man. shake it off. You know, get over it. Put a smile on your face. It'll get, you know, come on, the sun will come out tomorrow. Come on, relax. Or, you know, you messed up. It's the consequences of your messing up. You're crushing the spirit. You know why? Because you deserve it. No, he doesn't. No. He is near to the brokenhearted, and he saved the crushed in spirit. That he's near when your life's a mess. And how amazing is that? That God is not distant, but he's a father who is close. That our heavenly father is a father who is close. He is right there for you when you're hurting. He's there to meet your needs. That he's never too busy for you. You know? That your Father in heaven is right there for you. You see, what God is saying to us this morning is that he is our really dad. He's not a pretend dad or a partial dad. He's our really dad. You know, he is. He's a father who cares about us. He's a father who is trustworthy. He's a father who's close and not far away. And in Galatians chapter 4, it says, But when the right time came, see, God's perfect. His timing is always perfect. But when the right time came, Jesus, uh, God sent his son, Jesus, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who are slaves to the law so that he could what? He could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. That we can go to God and say, God, you are Abba to us. And God used this very, very, very familiar word for Father, Abba. And it's an Aramaic word, and it's one of the first words that every Middle Eastern child learns. You know, it's like dada. It's like dad. It's like daddy. That's what that means. Abba means daddy. You know, dada. That's what it is. You know, it's a term. It's really an ultimate term of endearment and closeness and of family. That there's no barrier between a little baby and their father. It's just Abba. And, and that's what God has done through Jesus for us. That we get to call God Abba, Dad. And 
my, my kids are all young adults, but even today, man, there really is nothing sweeter to my ears than hearing them call me dad. I love being dad, you know, that, that it's a term of endearment, and it speaks to my relationship that I have with them, that that's the kind of relationship that, that we have with our God, who is our Father in heaven through his son Jesus, that we can call him dad. And, you know, it, it sounds kind of odd, right? I mean, how many of you say, yeah, that's what I, you know, dear dad. Oh, thank you, dad. You know? And, and we, we kind of like think, it's like, oh, father in heaven, thou it art soweth greateth. You know, I mean, we do that stuff. And we think God is there. But God is our daddy in heaven. He is our papa. He is, he is our dad. And that's who he is. That's what Jesus came to give to us. That he provided the way for us to be adopted into God's family. And so we can, we can go to God and we can say, Dad, here's my problem. And just like you dads know, right? When your kid comes up to you, and they go, hey, Dad, you perk up. I need help. I mean, you're right there. You drop whatever. Because it's important. And it's like, we can go to God and say, God, Dad, here's our problem. Hey, Dad, here's my hurt. You know, here's my need. Here's what happened this week. You know what I'm thinking, Dad? But, but this is what I'm feeling. And we can go to God because he's our really dad. And see how very much your father loves you. For you, he calls you his child. And that's who you are. That through Jesus, God is your really dad. And he's not unreasonable, but he's a caring dad. That he's not unreliable, but he's a trustworthy dad. That he is not unconcerned or distant, but he's a dad who's close. And here's a quick word to you earthly fathers. That, that we have the blessing and the privilege to help our children see how God, the Father, our Father in heaven is all about. That we get to demonstrate to our kids who God really is. Because by your love, you show them who God is. As a caring dad, you give your kids a glimpse of the care and love of God. You know, that when you're right there for them, that you care about their needs, and you begin to meet their needs, you drop things, you give them a glimpse of who their dad in heaven really is. That he's a trustworthy dad. That when you're always there, and when you make time to be with your kids, that you're giving your kids a glimpse of who God is. You demonstrate who God is to your children. And that is an amazing privilege that you have and is also a great responsibility that you have. That's the role. That's the blessing that we get as fathers. And so I just want to encourage you that on this Father's Day, and that's, that's your role. I just felt like God wanted me to to close with this really powerful truth from the Bible. That is really powerful. It's, 
It's, it's from a chapter in the Bible that is probably just the, my, my most favorite, my most special chapter in the whole Bible. You know, it comes from Romans chapter 8, verse 31. That it talks about our Father in heaven who loves us, cares for us, is trustworthy and close. Paul writes this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him uh, graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect, God's family? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding, praying for all of us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or, or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? Will those things separate us from God's love? It is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, angels or rulers, things present, things to come, powers or heights or depth or anything else in all of creation will be what? Will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing, there is what Paul is saying, there is nothing that can separate us from God's love. You see, that's the love of the Father who calls us His children. And so let the Holy Spirit speak to you. That when we come before God, and when we come to worship, and when you read the Bible, and when you pray, you're not just praying to this this father in heaven who's far away. But you're praying for your dad who cares. You're praying to your dad who cares about you, who is trustworthy, who is close by you, who loves you so much that nothing is going to pull you away from his love. That's who God is. That's who he is. So why don't you stand with me? And I wanted to share this, that, you know, we can experience all this, all that we talked about, this really dad. We can experience all that because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. See, that's why it's so, 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 so important that we understand that Jesus died for us that we would be in a relationship with God the Father. That we would be in a place that He becomes our dad and nothing separates us from His love. That He is right there with us, brokenhearted, crushed, meeting our needs, right close by. He is there. That's what Jesus did on that cross for us. And I want to say, if you've never, ever, ever, really from your heart said, you know, Jesus, I believe that I want you as my Savior because I need that relationship, that I want that relationship with my dad in heaven. Now, I want to pray that you would do that today. How do we do that? 
it's as simple as saying, you know, God, I know I need you. Thank you for your son, Jesus, to come and die for me. That I can be reconnected to my dad in heaven. So I receive him into my life. Because through Jesus, through you, I get to be adopted into God's family. All right, so we're going to pray all that. We're going to pray that together. If you never ever prayed that, let's pray that today. All right? And if you pray that today, then you come up to me after and say, Mark, I prayed that today. I'll just be so blessed. That would make it the greatest Father's Day for me. All right? So just come up after and say, I did that. I'll shake your hand. Good to go. All right? But let's pray. And it's just in your heart, just repeat after me. All right? You know, just say, you know, Father, I, I thank you that maybe I've never saw you in that light. That I had misconceptions about who you were. But I see it today. The Holy Spirit has spoken to my heart that you are a caring dad. That you're a trustworthy dad. You're a dad who's close. And I need that. And so Jesus, you came to die for my sin. To make a way for me to be reconnected to my Father in heaven. And so I receive you into my heart. I receive you into my life. Will you be my Savior? Because I need a Savior. That will you come into my life that I may begin to experience that love of God that nothing can separate me from. I accept you, Jesus, as my Savior. And now, Heavenly Father, I pray that I would see you as my Heavenly Father, but more importantly, as my really Dad. And maybe for the first time, I say to you, Dad, happy Father's Day. Thank you for adopting me as your son, as your daughter. And Father, I pray that we would all experience the love of a father, the love of our Father in heaven. Thank you, Lord. And I pray a special blessing on all the dads, God. I pray that they would grab hold of that blessing and that responsibility, that privilege they have to be a demonstration and an living example of who our Father in Heaven is. I pray your blessing on them today, that you would bless them. Bless them, Father. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless. Have a great, great Father's Day.